Well, Merry Christmas, all y'all. Good to see you. Welcome. If you're a guest, I'm super glad you're here. It's a great place to be. Uh, we've been having some fun with this thing we're calling Flixmas. Uh, just a chance to kind of look at some of the old classic Christmas movies and then pull out of them something really important and relevant that connects uh, with our lives from Scripture. We saw a few weeks back that uh, the messed up family, the Griswolds in, in, in Christmas vacation, kind of made us feel a little more hopeful about our own messed up families. And we saw in uh, that Charlie Brown Christmas that uh, we can just look to Jesus and find maybe a little more sanity and simplicity in our own lives. And the last week we looked at Home Alone. It reminded us that when you feel like you're under attack, and all alone, you're really not. And uh, God is with us, and, and God is God wins. And we saved the best, in my opinion, for Christmas services. Elf, how many of you love this movie? Okay, I, I hope you do. If you haven't seen it, you're the loser. You need to go see it. Uh, it it's uh, it's a it's a good film. It's it's not an important film, but it's cute and clever and and heartwarming. I think about the six foot four inch Buddy the Elf, who's this uh, innocently naive, perpetually cheery elf. Um, you know, one of the things that's funny about this movie is uh, how people who see it tend to to like it and. Um, quote lines from it all throughout the year. Do you guys ever do this in your family? Or is our family the only family that quotes elf lines all throughout the year? Like uh, you, whenever there's a Santa, they'll always say, Santa, you maybe know this, I know him. Get all excited about it. Or, uh, or if anyone smiles, it's like, oh, smiling, smiling's my favorite. That's one of his great lines. He's got a lot of good lines. Uh, my favorite is when he sees the, uh, the uh, fake Santa and he says, you don't smell like Santa. You smell like beef and cheese. And, and, then, he, and then he says, uh, you sit on a, finish it with me, throne of lies. Yeah, which is a handy line to have. I mean, they told me a few months ago the Minnesota Vikings would be in the playoffs. It's like, yeah, you sit on a throne of lies. So, we, you know, these lines have a way of coming back in uh, to our lives. One of my favorite lines actually uh, comes near the beginning of the film. So you probably got to understand this a little bit. Buddy is an orphan who's accidentally taken away and is raised at the North Pole in Santa's workshop by a bunch of elves, right? He figures it out at a low point in his life, and he goes on this search for his father to this faraway strange place called New York City. And there's this scene in this kind of classic uh, stop-motion animation stuff where he has to say goodbye to his little animal friends at the North Pole and go off on this venture in search of his dad. Maybe you know that scene. Bye, buddy. Hope you find your dad. My kids say that's me all. Every time I leave the house practice, like, bye, dad. Hope you find your dad. <laughs> Hope you find your dad. So, you know, what happens when he gets to New York is he has to, of course, go through the seven levels of the candy cane forest and then to the Lincoln Tunnel and finds his dad. who turns out to be this kind of workaholic corporate guy, Walter Hobbs, who's no nonsense and really basically has enough problems of his own, has no time for Buddy to mess with his life. You know, Buddy thinks they're going to make snow angels and snuggle, and, he, and this guy's basically just got no time for him. And it eventually tells him, get out of his life, then they have a happy ending, and it's a reconciliation. Touching story, funny movie. But here's the thing I want to focus on. You know, woven inside this story of um, Elf is, is something else that I think is actually important, a story that we all live out. And I'm not talking about the fact that you may like you know, think candy is one of the food groups or you were raised by elves, although some of you, I don't know. Here's the thing. All of us are on a search for our father. All of us go on a journey in life for father. We, 
we humans all have something in common. We, we all have a deep hunger, a, a longing to connect with our Maker, our, our God. We're spiritual beings. You don't decide to be spiritual or act spiritual if you want to. You know what? As a human being, we are spiritual beings, and our Maker, God, created us in a way to long to connect with Him. In fact, He made us in a way so that if we're not connected in a relationship with Him, we'll feel empty. That's how God made us. God really, really wants a relationship with each of us. I've heard it said this way. There's a God-shaped hole in every human heart. Your heart, my heart, everyone you know. There's a God-shaped hole. And you can try to stuff lots of stuff into that unsettled feeling you have inside, that sense that maybe I don't have all of the peace and the contentment and the joy that maybe I could, that I sense I'm made for. You can shove all kinds of things you want in there, but if it's not God, it'll leave you feeling kind of aching and empty and this is a journey to find our dad and that first Christmas proves how much God wants to have a relationship with us by going to the great measures he did to send his son Jesus so that we can have a relationship with our father in heaven God and that's the source that's why the angels said good news of great joy to all y'all because that's that's what Jesus came for So I hope you find your dad. I hope you find your dad. The reason Jesus left his father in heaven was to come to us so that we on earth could have a relationship with his father in heaven. Now, when we start talking about dads and relationships with fathers, I'm sure there's a mixed bag in terms of reactions about that. Some of you maybe had awesome dads or you you have a lot of positive images. Some of us probably not so much. The truth is probably very few of us had what we would consider awesome dads. So it kind of can create a little bit of a conflict. Let me just ask you a question. What comes to your mind when I say, think about God? What picture comes into your brain when I say, what's God like to you? Because that's a really important question. In fact, around here we quote this quote a lot because we all agree with it. Um, A.W. Tozer said, what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about us. What comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Because that determines not only what you think about God, it determines what you think about yourself and what you're going to think about other people and what you're going to think about your purpose and your place on the earth and so many other things come back to that question, how you live out your life. So what's your picture of God? How do you see Him? I know for a lot of people, when they think of God, they think of Him as like some kind of army sergeant, drill sergeant, right in your face, barking out orders like, you know, full metal jacket kind of... You call that a life, maggot? Give me 50 push-ups. And I used to think of God a little bit like that. And it's easy to dislike and want to avoid a God like that. Some people think of him as like a teacher who just gets his jollies out of getting his red pen out and looking at the term paper of your life and going, oh, this is pathetic, F minus, terrible, wrong, you're bad. And it's easy to want to avoid a God like that. Some people think of him as kind of like Simon Cowell in the sky, you know, like, like life is some big talent show and you, you're always trying to measure up and perform even though you feel kind of guilty like, you know, you're gonna, you know you're going to get the you stink, you're atrocious kind of word from God on it. But we keep trying and even though we know we'll never measure up. 
I know a lot of people see him as kind of like a big genie, like a big, happy-go-lucky uh, miracle worker in this guy. He works for you, and his job is your wish is my command. You know, that's all he says. So if you want to be wealthy and healthy, that's God's job. And of course, then the problem here is if, 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 if he ever doesn't answer a prayer the way you tell him to, well, then we get mad at him and stuff that genie back in a bottle, put him on the shelf. And I know some people that live with their God on a shelf right now because they're a little bit mad at him because he didn't do it right. Some, some people just honestly they seem like a, a dear old grandpa sitting in a rocking chair somewhere, you know. He's kind of out of touch. He's got, he's got tennis balls on the bottom of his walker, hearing aids in his ears, you know. He's just waiting for the kids to call. Back in the day, you know, I could really do it. I could part the Red Sea. Now today he doesn't have much power. He just kind of hands out candy to the kids once in a while. But, you know, he's sort of out of touch. What comes into our minds, you see, when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So it's a really important question. And I can tell you from my own experience in my own life and then as a pastor seeing the lives of a lot of other people, if you have any of these kind of views of God in your brain, in your mind, what happens is you start to feel lots of anxiety about your life. You start discovering that you're living a lot of your life just seeking the approval of other people. You feel insecure and cynical and you start seeking just pleasure and material gain and, and approval. And really what we're looking for is our Father. So man, I hope you find your dad. Keith found his, his father. Keith had a rough, rough life. A lot of darkness in his life when he was young. You know, when he was born, his mom was on her sixth marriage. She just had no capacity to really love him well. And uh, his stepfather was one of these religious guys who used to beat the tar out of him. As he was whipping him, would quote Bible verses at him, you know. Kind of easy to maybe understand why Keith wasn't really keen on God as father. Yeah, he... um, his, his stepfather told him, you know, every F you get on your report card, you're getting a whipping for it. He came home with straight Fs. He got beat so bloody. He went to school the next day with his back still bleeding, showed it to the principal, and that was his ticket out of that house, and he never went back. Years later, his mother was on her deathbed, had an aneurysm, and so he went back and decided to try to reconcile. Of course, she was in a coma, so he mustered up his nerve, and he called out to God to fix her, and uh, he told his mom he loved her, and then she died. And that sent him on this downward spiral into a terrible episode of years of drugs and alcohol and uh, terrible addiction that he still struggles with today. And uh, somewhere along the line, he got a job at a porn shop. And then 10 years later, he worked his way up, and he was the second largest distributor of adult uh, film industry in the country. Had everything on the outside that everybody said he should want, drugs, booze, alcohol, women, all of that stuff. And yet on the inside, he was crashing. He was empty. He says, I was running, not really to anything. I was running from my past. I was running from pain, but I was going nowhere, and I was empty inside, and he just started crashing. It was at that period that Keith says God was up to something because he put some people in Keith's life that loved him enough to help him meet his father. And through a relationship with Christ, Keith sensed that maybe this could be the answer to fill some of the emptiness. And he began to run in a different direction. He said, I didn't know how to fix my life. I didn't know how to get out of my addictions. I didn't know how to, to unsee the things I'd seen. But all I knew was to run toward my father. And that's what he did. And a few months later, he was baptized. And today, you know, he's, he's a work in progress. But, you know, he's, he's with God. And he knows his dad. A friend told him, you know what, Keith? God knows what he's getting. And he still wants you. 
And that was Keith's decision. I'm going to run toward my father. So let me ask you a question on this Christmas Eve, okay? As you think about maybe where you are in relationship to God, you know, all of us are moving in one direction or another. So be truthful now. Would you say you're moving toward God or away from Him? There's really no neutral ground. Maybe you're running. Are you running from Him or away from Him? I'm not asking you how close you are to God. I'm saying which direction are you moving? All of us are on an ice flow and we're moving some direction. Are you going toward your Father or away? Turns out, I think, to be the most important question because it answers the deepest longings of our heart. Christmas is not just about celebrating the fact that Jesus came as God's holy child. None of that even matters or makes a difference to us if you don't understand, and I don't understand, that you are also God's child. We're looking for our dad because he calls us his children. Galatians 3 says, in Christ Jesus, you're all children of God through faith. As we believe in Christ, we become children of God. God sent his son so we could be children. Do you get that? Isn't that cool? God sent his son so we could be children. No matter what your earthly mother or father was like, you can find your dad. That's what Psalm 68 is getting at when it says, Father to the fatherless, defender to the widows. That's God whose dwelling is in the holy. God places the lonely in families. Maybe, it's that, maybe that's you. And, you, and you know, your earthly father or was not so great. Even if he was great, God puts you in his family. So... I want to talk to you just for a couple minutes about this father that all of us are actually looking for. And if we were going to list attributes of the most awesome dads in the world, we could have a good time listing those attributes of the best dads, couldn't we? Well, here's the deal. All the best attributes actually are part of who God is. And so I want to just help us see the thing you're really looking for is found in your heavenly father. And I want to talk about just maybe three quick attributes of things that really we're looking for and longing for and I hope you have. And the first thing is, to, I, I, just want, I want you to know that your father is present. Everybody say present. Present, yeah. Your father, you can say, my dad is present. You know, one of the, one of the most amazing things as a pastor that I get to see at a funeral once in a while is when an adult, a mature adult, stands up at a funeral and says, you know what I really appreciate about my dad or mom? And they say something like this, they were always there for me. I think, wow, that's very convicting to me as a dad, and it's, a, it's an amazing thing to say. It doesn't happen very often, to be honest. And we sense, don't we, how important it is to have that gift of presence, to be with someone, because it says that I care about you, it, it provides security, stability uh, to a kid, it, it, it calms fears, and that's why I think one of the most amazing names about Jesus that we celebrate at Christmas you know, all the names we think, you know, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, all that stuff. You know one of the most amazing ones? Emmanuel. The Old Testament prophet said, the virgin will give birth to a son, you'll call his name Emmanuel. And then Matthew says, it happened in Jesus. His name is Emmanuel. Guess what Emmanuel means? God is with us. That's your Father who is present. That's why He sent Jesus to be with you. Maybe you just really need to know that in your life right now. And I think a lot of us, that's the thing we're looking for is to know that this God that we long for is actually with us all the time. The Emmanuel cry, maybe that's something that you need to pray out once in a while. Just, God, I need you. Come be with me, be near me right now. That's a simple prayer, and you can pray that prayer. 
God is present all the time. There's a place in the Bible, Psalm 139, that talks about how everywhere I go, there you are, God. If I go to the farthest ends of the earth, if I go to the lowest place, the highest place, whenever I get up and sit down, every, everywhere I go, guess what? God is there, and I think that's something we've just got to know. He's not out of touch. He's not distant. He's not removed. He, he's not unaware. He's not an absentee father. He's not a deadbeat dad. He's never too busy. He's not embarrassed by who you've turned out to be and annoyed with you. He will never neglect you. He will never abandon you. He will never abuse you. He, he is there when you wake up in the morning. When you put your head on the pillow tonight, guess what? He's there. He's here right here with you now. When you get up and walk out in the parking lot, he's with you. He's with you on 95 too. Don't forget that. He's there with you in a hospital bed. He's with you in an ICU waiting room. He's there with you when you have to go through rehab. He's with you at gravesides and in wedding aisles. He's with you during chemotherapy. He's with you when you have to say something that's difficult to say. When you have to ask for forgiveness. He's helping you. When, when others walk out on you, He will not. When you take a vacation, He does not. When you take a nap... He doesn't. He doesn't need an espresso in the morning to stay awake. He doesn't need a, a, a Red Bull in the afternoon to stay with you. He never slumbers or sleeps. That's our God. He's always there behind the scenes working, always with you. He's our Father. That's His promise. That's His character. That's who He is. And I hope you find your dad like that in your life. It changes everything about how you think about yourself and your life. That's not even the coolest thing. Your dad is not only present. Get this. Your dad is powerful. Say powerful. Powerful. We're talking about the strength of God. One of the, I guess, kind of weird things about the way we do stuff here at Mountain is, you know, when I preach, I'm on the screen in the, in the video. I've told you this before, but it keeps happening. When I meet people after they used to see me on the screen, very often, it's like so often they're disappointed when they meet me in person. And I, I, it's just like they can't even hide it. Shake hands, you're like, oh. They're looking at me, size me up. I'm like, what? You know? <laughs> I was like, what? They're like, no, we no nothing. It's like, what? No, we just, you know, we thought you were bigger, you know, we thought you were taller, stronger, you know. <laughs> You think this is disappointing. I take off my shirt, you'd be in tears, you know. But I mean, it's like they expect me to be the rock or Hans and Franz, you know, or something. But I'm not, you know, it's just what I am. But do you remember when you were a kid? How many of you can remember when you were a kid kind of arguing with your friends about whose dad was stronger, whose dad was bigger? You know, we want our dad. My dad can beat up your dad. No, no, my dad's a ninja. You know, I say, like, well, my dad trains the ninjas. Well, whatever. You know, we kind of go back and forth like that because we want a father that's strong emotionally, physically, and capable in other ways. Here's the deal your father is the rock. He is strong. He is stronger than any father. He's never been helpless. He's never like had his hands full, dropped the ball, can't handle it, out of control, weak or sick. Never called in sick a single day in his life. And yet, isn't it funny how we take so many things on ourselves? We've got this amazing, powerful father, and yet there are certain things that we cannot fix or handle, and yet we keep trying to do them ourselves. Isn't that how we are? Though, I mean, it's like God's like, can I help? We're like, no, what about yourself? You know, you go drive the universe. I got this when clearly we don't got it. There are things even tougher in life than seatbelts, believe it or not. You know? Things you can't control, things you can't fix, people you can't change. And this is why the, this is why the angel told Mary, nothing is impossible with God. We have a powerful God. So we've got to learn that that's a, that is our father. You know, Carla's dad was a strong man. He was a football player in college and an engineer, leader in everywhere he went. Everywhere he went, he was just a big, strong 
physical guy. Here's a picture of him uh, a few years ago. But in his 50s, you know, out of the blue, uh, he had this thing, went in for the doctor, and they said, oh, you got to take that thing out. They took it out, and of course, it paralyzed him. He walked into the hospital, went out in a wheelchair, never did walk again. 25 years later, he got really, really sick a couple years ago. Diabetes complications and things, the kids were flown in. And you know, in those moments, it was apparent that what Carla and her siblings and their mother and what I hear, everyone needed to do was to put their strong dad into the hands of even a stronger dad. And there are moments in life when maybe you've had to do the same thing or maybe you should be doing the same thing. To recognize that sometimes there is nothing. You don't, you, instead of just telling God, you go drive the universe, I'm good, that you come into a relationship with that God and you call on Him. And I bet some of us are realizing that no matter how strong we are, we need to be able to call on that powerful Father. I may look short in real life, but you have some real big giant bullies probably facing you in your life. A lot of us do right now. We've got some bullies like bad health news. Some of us are going through chemotherapy. I know a couple that had a, a, a miscarriage that's really difficult for them right now. A tough financial hit or you got laid off or your work or your school, your marriage isn't working right or going the way you'd really love it to go. Or you found out about some unfaithfulness of a spouse or you can't kick an addiction or maybe there's a big bully called anxiety or panic or depression or sadness that just stands outside your door ready to kick your tail every single day when you get out of bed. Do you remember that story about the giant in the Bible? That little David shepherd boy who knew that his God was bigger than the giant everyone was afraid of? And he reached and he got his slingshot and he shot it up at that giant, hit him between the eyes and that giant, he got stoned. And down he, down he went. And it's a reminder that our God is able. And your father is able to take down any giant that stands in front of you right now too. And you need to know that. Psalm 16 says it this way. I keep my eyes always, where? On the Lord. This is David who shot the giant. And I keep my eyes on the Lord, not on the giant, on the Lord. Quit looking at the giant because with the Lord on my right hand, I'm not going to be shaken. You keep your eyes on powerful Papa is what he's saying. You have a giant probably before you right now hanging around your whole house trying to steal your joy, intimidate you, rob your peace. And you don't say to God, worry about yourself. I got this. You say to the giant, you know what? I'm not shaken by you. I'm not running from you. I'm not looking at you because I'm, I'm looking. My eyes are always on the Lord who's a whole lot bigger and a whole lot stronger. He's my powerful papa. He flung the stars. He invented DNA. He can raise the dead. He can move mountains. And he can take down any giant in the way of your dreams. That's your dad. He's the rock bigger than Hans and Franz, bigger than Ben. He's got your past. He's got your future. And he's got your back. I hope you find your dad. I hope you find your dad. That changes your life. Let me just give you one other. Your father is not only present and powerful. Your father is love. Your father is love. And I wanted it to start with P, so it does. So, but your father, don't miss the point. Your father is love. It's not just that he tries to be loving once in a while. Your father God's very nature and essence is love. It just it's who he is. He can be no other. It's a relentless unconditional, can't stop and help himself to be any other way kind of love for you. There is a father who sits in a recliner just as he has every day for nine years in his son's bedroom. His son has been paralyzed from a car accident. And the dad gets up 
every hour and massages his feet and his legs to keep the circulation going, to keep him alive. And he does this every day, and nobody knows, out of sight of view of everybody, no complaints, and he's happy to do it. And his son doesn't even have the mental capacity to know what's happening or thank him. And it doesn't matter to this guy because he's a, he's a, he's a good dad. That boy in the bed is not just a boy. It's not even just a child. It's part of him. See? And so it just, it's, it's the most natural thing in the world for him to reorder his whole existence around the need of that other boy. And this is how our father feels, acts, and cares relentlessly toward us who sometimes don't even give him the time of day. But it doesn't matter to him because you are part of him. You're made for relationship with him. First John 3, put it on your fridge. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called His children. And that's what we are. Friend, here's your takeaway today. If you don't get anything else, know this, that the most true thing about you is that you are a much-loved child of God. That's who you are. It's your fundamental identity. Every other thing that we put up is our identity. That impressive, you know, title we can put on our business card finally or some sexy picture we put on Instagram or Facebook to make everyone think it's who we are or, you know, some, some title or some, you know, a, a house that we finally get into or athletic ability or the people we hang out with. All that stuff, if we make that our identity... Guess what? All that goes away. All that crumbles. All that's gone one day. And then who are you? You're gone. So instead, we've just got to cling to the unfailing love of a Father God who says, you're my child and that'll never change. And nothing you can do can make me love you more. Nothing you can do can make me love you less. That's an amazing thing. Not if you do this, then I'll love you. Or if you perform well, God's not keeping score and kind of deciding if He's going to let you in. God loves you just like He said. He knows what He's getting and He wants you anyway. So let them love you. Let them love you. I know some of us are got all kind of hang-ups with the church, burnt out on religion or rituals and all that. I get it. I know some of us are maybe angry at God or living at a distance or cynical or maybe there was some science question that troubled you and you never got over that or your little childhood faith didn't quite grow up with you and now it doesn't seem like it can handle the real world, real world problems you're seeing and you have in your life. Or maybe you're just burnt out and kind of fried and just drained of your faith. But you have a Father who's with you so you'll never be alone. And you have a God who's, God who's your Father and He's powerful. And He can handle any giant before you so you don't ever have to be afraid. You have a God who loves you and you're accepted as you are. And that's the thing we're all looking for. So I hope you find your dad. Wouldn't it be great if your search for your father could end right now? It can. I hope it does. Let's pray. God, thank you for coming near us and sending your son Jesus to make possible a relationship with you that we may not have realized is the thing we're looking for the most. So help us, Lord, to... Uh, to stop running away from you, run towards you. Help us to let you love us, be present with us. Turn your power loose in our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.